<laughs> Gosh, John, I forget how good you are at karate. That's incredible. I know, man. I mean, it's all about the right belt. It is. Timing you know? or your leather belt. Exactly. I, I feel like maybe, is that not, that's what you meant. Not really, okay. but speaking of, oh, Dave, wow, I'm yeah, just yeah. going to try to transition to okay. save you. <laughs> Finally, Dave, Yeah. warm spring days are arriving. Oh, Am I gosh. right? Isn't it great? You know what? I need a new pair of shades that I don't have to baby. Do you know what I'm saying, John? I don't want to take care of them. Let me put them on, take them off, and not have to worry Look, about it. Hey, Dave, I know exactly Sorry. Sorry, what I didn't you mean. Sorry, I didn't mean to rant. Knock around is the solution. They've been making high-quality shades that don't break the bank okay. since 2005. Oh, wow. And they've actually been my personal go-tos for years. Oh, yeah. I love Knockaround, John. They have over 20 different frame styles, so there's something for everyone, including tons of kids' pairs. That's right. So whether you're looking to rep your favorite sports teams, mm-hmm. you know, like you're a sports guy, mm-hmm. <laughs> spend some relaxation time in the yard, yep. or cruise down Broadway with the windows down oh. like Dave does uh-huh. all the time. All the time. Every Tuesday and Thursday mm-hmm. and Saturday. Mm-hmm. Knock around. That's what you need. Yeah, yeah. All of their lenses have UV 400 protection, which is basically like sunscreen for your eyes, which, by the way, I've tried that, and it hurts. <laughs> Use the sunglasses, everybody. With polarized adult pairs starting at 28 bucks. you can get a few pairs to leave in your car, toss in your beach bag, or lend to a friend in need. Dave, that is such a good price I that I might buy a pair just to intentionally lose them. I don't love that logic, John, but I know, you do but have a history of misplacement. It's not around Don't fight me because like of the karate stuff. But it could so. be perfect for you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, Dadville fans, don't squint through family beach days yeah. or trips to the park. Check out knockaround.com and use the promo code DADVILLE15 for 15% off your order. That's DADVILLE15 for 15% off your order at knockaround.com. Hi, I'm Dave Barnes. And I'm John McLaughlin. And welcome to Dadville. Dadville is a podcast where we talk about life, love, and the pursuit of awesome dadding. It's funny thoughts and deep talks. So enjoy your time here in Dadville and enjoy this episode of... All right, everybody. We are back for week two week of two. Greatest Hits Conversations. Greatest Hits Conversations. This is the first Greatest Hits I've ever put out. Me too. Except for you. Yeah. It's exciting. Uh, last week was really fascinating to hear some of the conversations uh, with early residents. Yeah, like some, yeah, some of our first guests slash uh, tenants. Tenants. Yeah. yeah. Rent Because don't we own everything? We own it, <laughs> but we want our tenants to feel like they own it. You know what I mean? And that's why rent's so high. Feels like a mortgage. <laughs> oh, they got me square in the giggle box. Uh, so as you can see, I mean, it's funny listening to these because I hope we've gotten better. Have we gotten better? I hope we've gotten better at our jobs. since I don't then. know. At least we're still, like, enthusiastic about it. <laughs> Listen, we mean well. If there's We else. haven't gotten lazier. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, but there is something that I think is really fun about us not knowing exactly what we're doing, but doing a good job at whatever that is. <laughs> we're consistent. <laughs> yeah, we're consistent, if nothing else. So, uh, just a reminder, though, we will be back next week with a full new episode of Dadville. Look, we know what you guys want. Right. We're going to give it to you. Yeah. Okay? We're Everybody not going to stop. Relax. But... 
since we're out enjoying the last few weeks of summer with our families, you know, we thought we'd revisit some of our favorite conversations with previous guests of Dadville like we did last week. Yeah, so let's get into it. Let's stop, stop joking around, guys. Good gracious. Here Serious. We go. Let's start with one of the guests that we still can't believe. Still. Yeah. Still, to this mm. day. Stop by Dadville. Is he our best friend? Okay, that's too far. Yeah. Once you get to a certain level of friendship, it's hard to quantify. Yeah. yeah. Have I had to, like, mute his texts? Sure. Yes. Sure. It, does he text me more than you? It, who cares? <laughs> We're not keeping tabs. You texted me 10 times last night. But, you know, <laughs> it was everything and more that that conversation than I ever expected to be. And he was so kind and so engaged. And yeah. I think uh, in a lot of ways, uh, you know, when you have someone of that caliber of superstardom, it's just fun we to see them. We haven't said who it was. Did you um, say? We won't. No. Oh, we won't. I'll tell him now. And we'll air it here in a second, but it'll be muted. <laughs> muted. No, you guys know if you listen to the show. If you don't, it's Matthew McConaughey, uh, the one and only. Um, and it was so, so, so much fun. Yeah, it was so great. He's, he was genuinely so uh, engaged in the conversation and really present. And um, and it was really fun to, to dive into the conversation. So let's not wait any longer. Here's a little bit of our conversation with Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. I don't believe that this is it. This life we got is it. Mm. Yeah. And, and mm. I don't know that. No right. one knows that. But if it is mm. it, mm. I don't know. I hope, I, you know, they leave a decent scorecard. If it's yeah. not it. And we get to, we, we, we go meet our, the prime mover or whatever. I hope he says to me, hey, good first round, buddy. You know? Did you just say the prime mover? Because that's the best name I've ever prime heard. Prime mover. Oh, I picked that up in Sunlight Baptist Church in New Orleans now. Oh, that preacher was gone for four. I called the way maker. Prime mover. Never it was me, Camille, and the mover. kids in this all-black church. And no, we were the only ones there. And he'd say this every Sunday. He goes, uh-huh. Looks like New Orleans Saints more important than being in the house of God. No, no. <laughs> everyone would stay home because the Saints would play at noon and they wouldn't come to church. <laughs> <That's> amazing. <laughs> the prime mover did not like that. No, that is amazing. Oh, oh my gosh. Well, I want to want I want to ask some things about your dad because yeah. I, you talk a lot about your dad in in the book and you know this podcast is called dadville obviously and so uh here's one thing that i think about a lot as a dad i have two girls dave has three kids two two boys and a girl i i think a lot about healthy fear right my kids do not fear me i don't know where i, I went wrong with them there is no fear there right I I had a healthy fear of my dad when I was growing up. I would say mm. I, maybe I still have a healthy fear of my dad. My, if my dad goes into a, a, a tone, certain tone of voice, I yeah. think it would probably, you know, I'd be 13 again, you know? Yeah. There's a healthy fear there. And there, there, I feel like there was a healthy fear that you had of your dad and your brothers had of your dad. How, how What's that relationship like with your kids now? Do you think about it in that same way? Is that something that you think about? Yeah, it's a great question and a great thing that I think all dads, you know, consider in some form or another. I, I wrote this in the book. It's a, um, there were things that I did not do that I knew I shouldn't do because of fear of the consequences from my father. 
Yeah. So there were yeah. things where I was like, mm, risk reward here, boys. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all go ahead. Uh-uh. You know, yeah. um, that I'm glad I had that fear. Kept yeah. me from doing that thing. Mm. Um, look, I try to have, you know, with my kids, I say this all the time. I'm like, yeah, mm. I want to be their friend, but boy, I've seen some kids go wrong where they're, when their parents were just trying to be their best damn friend. From yeah, the, yeah, yeah. You know, there's time we got to go. No, we're a parent. We got to give ourselves some credit. We've lived more years. We have experience we're trying to talk to our kids. We, hey, can you come to us? Promise you. Me and you, me and you, me and your mother are street, man. We, 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 we've experienced some things, man. We, we you're not going to bring something up that we're going to go. I have no yeah. idea. You feel that way. So come on, right. bear it with us. Right. And also trying to teach him, you know, if you screw up and you come up and you go, ah, that was me. I forgot to feed the dogs rather than going, oh uh, yeah, I fed them. And you catch your yeah. line. You're going to get in more trouble for the lie than you are for coming and going, Hey, my bad, my bogey. Yeah, yeah, right. Whatever that chore was, or something. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. Now you got to walk that line because if there's too much fear, sometimes I've seen my kids try to weasel out of it. You go, why didn't you just come tell me? I had that mm. fear in the story where I wouldn't tell my dad I stole the pizza. Right. Out of fear, what he was wanting me to do is to, if I'd have told him, yeah, stole it. He, he, you know, instead of backhanding me like he did for lying four times in a row. Right. As I'm reading that part of the book, I am so rude. I'm talking to you so loud. I'm like, just tell him. Just tell tell him you did it. Well, that's how this is going to play out. I say this to, you know, we tell all our kids out there. If you come home one night and you did steal a pizza or whatever you did wrong, if your parent says some version of, so did you pay for that pizza? (laughs) You know right then that they know you didn't. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. But no, he said, did you pay for it? And I was like, it went through my head. That's not a normal question. Uh, <laughs> he never asked me that before, but maybe there's a slight chance he doesn't know. So yeah, I think I, I mean, we, yeah, I had my, I had my, I had my allowance and my, my, I had my wallet on, you know, mm-hmm. already. and he asked again, now I'm digging deeper. Now after the second time, he asked me the third time. I'm like, I'm in too deep. I gotta walk. I gotta keep walking the plank. But I yeah. third time login, fourth time login, he backhands me. I go to the floor. I did not go to the floor from the blow of his hand. I mm. went to the floor because I was standing on these lactic acid coward ass legs, being a <laughs> little weasel liar. I was being, you know, I was asking for it, right? You know, and I, you know, I don't choose Camilla and I don't choose to uh, raise our children by the same means that my parents mm. did. My parents were a physical family. As you read mm. the book, they thought mm. they, they thought that grounding was like horrible because it was like, it takes mm. away your time and your time is most important. I'm like, man, that's pretty clever. But it was, you know, it was quick. You got it and it was forgotten and you weren't injured. You cried because you got the belt or that. And that was it. We don't, Camilla and I don't choose to raise our kids with that type of discipline. Mm. You know, like, and we talk things out a hell of a lot more. And y'all know, Man, talking out's good, but son of a gun, man, you've got to sometimes get there where you just got to go, because I said so. Not yeah, right. time to go to bed, because if you keep talking, you'll go, you'll talk, start a conversation <laughs> Saturday, you're going to miss church, <laughs> whether there's a Saints game or not. You're, you're going to miss gonna, church and the game. Work on Monday, you're gonna, you, know, you can talk till Thursday. Yeah. yeah. You know, so there comes a time where you just got to go. Yeah. D- because... Yeah. Um, and if look, if, if we when we can pull it off or we make our kids understand. This is 
for you, man. This is going to, if you listen to what I'm saying, you'll yeah. have more long-term pleasure. You'll yeah. be a better character. If I let you slide here, then I'm doing, I'm bogeying you. I'm doing yeah. you a disservice. And right. damn it, me and your mom thought we were going to have some quiet time at 830 tonight. And now here right. we are at midnight again. Right. <sighs> but damn it, if we let you slide, you're going to think you're going to miss, you screw up on the little things, you're going to start screwing up on the big things. I mean, yeah. I think my kids, I hope they have, I hope I'm balancing that right with a healthy amount of fear. Um, yeah. And as y'all know, different kids, I've been, this has been on my mind a lot lately. When they're super young, how old are y'all kids? Y'all's kids? Uh, mine are five and eight. Okay, and then, five and eight. And but then I'm Dave's nine, go right in between there. Four. Yeah. Nine what? Six and four. Okay. So you're coming in that, you're that period, maybe you're still in it, where there's a rule across the board for all the kids. Right. That's it. But you'll start, they be, start to become their own little individuals. And now, with I got 12, 11, eight. I'm using this line. I'll treat you fairly, but I won't treat you all the same. Wow. Right? Because mm -hmm. my eight-year-old will try and get away with stuff and like look at something and go, I'm not going to do it. Make the conscious, intentional choice. Now, my daughter, who's 11, if she doesn't do a choice, it's because she just absolutely forgot. She never made the intentional choice to go, nah, you know, no, she's not, not trying to get away with anything. So. <laughs> If she forgets to feed the dogs and the eight-year-old doesn't, I got to treat them differently. I got to, yeah. I got to, I got to show them consequences di differently because one just forgot, yeah, right. and the other one intentionally looked at it and said, I'm "Not doing it." You know, so <laughs> you start to customize. <laughs> you got to know your kids. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you'll see if you aren't in that stage now, it, start, it really starts to happen. You know, because another one, I can just go, "Hey, that loud of a voice," and that's like, yeah. that's enough, man. Attention getter, yeah. you got me. I got another kid who that. Tone of voice, he didn't even turn around. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay. Well, that's he's good, that's around good to like, hear. Let's do this. <laughs> Puts his cigarette out, grabs yeah. another cigarette. He Bruce Lee's on you. He's just like, rips his shirt. He's like, Padre. Yeah. You know, check out my new tattoo. <laughs> yeah. I got these on the street, by the um, you know, one of the things, it well, you know, what I was gonna say, you're so you're so right. That's one of the things that's been really interesting is some of the counsel we got literally from a counselor that my wife and I saw for a while is that that really, you do have to treat the kids according to how they are. Not like this is the Barnes way we do things. It's like, no, you are like this. You're like this. And you're like, so, but the thing to your point, Matthew, is you really got to pay attention then. Like you can't be the parent that's like, Hey, that's what we do here. It's like, okay, who did what? Okay. Okay. I know you're like, work. No, it's a hell of a lot harder to follow through on than just saying yes. I mean, so much harder. Um, another thing, that, the other thing I want to talk about with your dad I thought was really fascinating, and I love this quote, and I'm so fascinated to know what it did, if it did to your brain, is it, it, one, it's hysterical, but it's really profound too. I'd rather lose money having fun than make money being bored. And I'm just imagining that that's a pretty big sort of marker to hear your dad say, because you could, because we have a lot of dads that say, every dollar you make, you put a dollar away, or you know, there's a yeah. lot of ide ideologies you can choose from as a dad to sort of Im imbue into your children. You know, like, yeah, this is how we do it. But that's a really unique one. I mean, that is a really unique one. And he didn't let he didn't let me know that one until I was 18. He didn't get oh, out okay. when I was a youngster, okay. youngster. When a youngster, youngster is every damn dollar. And don't, don't you ever pass a penny you don't pick up because every wow. penny counts. You know what I mean? And, yeah, wow. But but later in life, when I'm like. I mean, he was a. Ponzi scheme chasing boogaroo, dude. I mean, he he went to 
Hey, he loved it. If it, he, I mean, if I could just hit a lick. You know, look at these pictures of us in Ecuador. I invested in this diamond mine. Look at me coming out of the jungle with you, with your mother, and I got the machete. Oh man, we could hit a lick. I might just become a millionaire. There weren't no damn diamonds in there, down there, man. It was a scam. But he got to go and go in the jungle and go, wow. He loved that. Sort of, let's uh, have something shady about the deal. And those people are more fun to work with. And yeah. let's go out for beer and talk about, oh, God dang, what if that could happen? Let's do it. Hot dog. Buddy, shake on that. I love this deal. You know, he's got that story about that the, the, the guy. He took me behind an old abandoned strip mall. Oh. This white van sitting over there by a dumpster he flashes his lights when we pull up. I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> Pops like, stay in the car, keep it running. And he gets out in the rain and sleet and he goes over there and this guy gets out in a little little black leather jacket. This guy's name is Chicago John. In Houston, <laughs> Texas. <right? laughs> Chicago John got a little mustache. He opens up the back of the van. There's like a washing machine, a jam box. He goes down and reaches his shoebox, pulls this thing out wrapped up in paper towel. And moves back over to the open side of the passenger door. He backs up into the passenger door. And all I can see is the back of my dad. This side, right? And I'm in the car. And I see my dad's elbow doing this. And I know he's just <laughs> counting off bills. Right? <laughs> and he comes back in the car. Hands his thing to me. He says, put it in the glove box, buddy. Now. And I mean, he puts it in drive. And we get out of there. And we're driving down the road. This is like the day before Christmas in Houston. It's raining and sleeting. 4 p.m. And then we're driving down the damn 59 freeway. He's looking up out of the window like in, like in uh, Goodfellas, like the copters following us. And I'm over here going, damn, what's in there? What, what's it wrapped up in that paper towel in the damn glove compartment? We drive for about 10 minutes. He's looking around. All of a sudden, he gets over in the right lane, slows down to about 50, and he goes, open it up. And I'm like, is it a freaking ferret? A cobra? I don't, I don't know what. What's in this thing, man? And I reach in there, and he's driving. He goes, "Do it, do it, do it. Open it up." And I unfold this thing, and then there's this silver Rolex watch. And my dad goes, "Gosh, Daniel, buddy, look at that, man. That's a seventeen thousand dollar titanium Rolex that I just got for four grand. Put it away. Put it away. Put it away." He got it for four grand. That oh. wasn't a damn titanium Rolex. That thing wasn't worth a thousand bucks. <laughs> but he loved the deal. The whole deal behind the strip mall. But when, when does he figure that out? Like, does, is there a revelation moment where he takes no, it to the No, it's plot? not even about figuring it out. It's just it could possibly work. We work that <laughs> thing. And, way, and And you know what? If I go belly up, I, got, I can go to the safe, and that thing's probably worth more than seven. Grand. It's living on the hope, you know what I mean? Right. Of the possibility, the buzz. Yeah, it's the yes, buzz. That's yes. it. I, Which I, obviously is translated say, to you. Oh, go ahead. Dude. I mean, it's that you got that in your blood. Obviously, you got it. It iterates differently, but you got the buzz in your blood. I mean, there's that. Don't you think there's that well, little bit of like? Man, I did that twenty three and me. And let me tell you, there was no royalty in the McConaughey family. There's a whole <laughs> bunch of. Uh, um, Nerdy salesmen and bootleggers and riverboat gamblers, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's funny. Uh, my, I don't think my dad has ever said to me, "Keep it running." Stay in, yeah, that's stay in the car. Keep it running. <laughs> yep, never. That's ever, a big ever. disappointment. I got to talk to my dad about that. Keep it running. <laughs> so, you know, as I was reading the book, I was thinking. I mean, you have. So many great stories with your dad that are so intense. I feel like they're all like, 
a lot of the pivotal like moments that you put in there that were really pivotal in your life are so intense, right? Yeah. How, do you think, because I'm thinking as I'm reading, I'm like, how is he going to kind of like pass on these life lessons mm, to his yeah. kids in, in some kind of uh, a different yeah. way? Or like, how do you replicate that? Um, I, you know, initiations, rites of passage, ritual. It's a great question because I, I had them in moments you're talking about. Intense yeah. moments of passage into young manhood and then manhood that my dad put in front of me to say, there you go. What are you going to do? That yeah. he challenged my brothers. What are you going to do? They challenged me. I'll give you four to my one. <gasps> you know, and what I, what I realize now is that, for instance, like I, him on all fours, come on, I'll give you four to my one. If I just swung once at him, He'd have got up and hugged me and said, that's my boy. He wouldn't, he would never going to hit me. He just wanted to see, can I, does my son, youngest have the courage to, he's going to need this courage to go negotiate life. Yeah. And when I couldn't do it, he's heartbroken. Like I lied to him at the pizza. He wasn't upset about the damn pizza. His jaw was hanging because he was like feeling like, man, my son lied to me four times in a row. I'm failing as a father. Right, mm. right. Having my son have the courage to be able to tell me he stole a damn pizza. And if I told him I stole a pizza, he'd be like, me and me too. Number one, am I, are you not getting enough allowance to pay for the pizza? Number two, buddy, if you're going to steal a pizza, you better learn how to get away with it better. It, you know, that, that would have been the conversation. <laughs> We'd have had a beer together. And but then I'm three, afraid. if you're going to steal a pizza, that's a big box, son. You should really think through, where are you going to put a box? <laughs> <You> gotta, yeah. <laughs> you know, Stealing like by that. the slice. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I have, I'm concerned at times if we have and expect and project and put enough rituals of uh, initiation and rites of passage on not only my children, but I th the, 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 the world we live in. Right. Um, yeah. You know, I'm not saying, hey, let's go to the African Bushman and say, son, you're not a man to you go out and slay the lion and bring home the meat. But there's great value in that. Right. Yeah. To yeah. Then be have have the courage to go negotiate life and have courage, which we could all use more of. And when we don't have these rights of passage, we don't feel like we earned it. Um, you know, I was talking with my talking with my son the other day. He's into surfing. And you well, I want to get this board, I want to get that board, I want to get a board. I said, Look, let me tell you a story, man. When I was in high school, I we had CDs. And I said, I would save up my money and get one C D. And man, I would listen to that CD 20, 25, 30, 40 times. And I knew it up and down. When I came into money, I started buying like five CDs at the time. Hmm. And I didn't listen to any of the CDs near as well. Didn't give any of them the justice they deserve because I'd listen right. to them once and then kind of go to the next and kind of you hear, them. oh yeah, I've heard that album a couple of times because I had five. I didn't, I, I didn't appreciate the music. I was doing yeah. myself a disservice. I didn't doing the artist a disservice. Boy, but when I earned the money to just get that one, and have to go pick out that one. Oh, man, you listen to it till it wears out. Right. There's value yeah. in that. So I wonder, you know, I've got, my kids are in an, an affluent lifestyle. Mm -hmm. We can, we are, we are one of the haves. We can give them things. Boy, we try to hold back mm -hmm. and go, hey, no, we're not just going to go buy another soccer ball. Let's, let's go buy the repair kit to fix the plug. Maybe it's like maintenance, you know? I don't, right. um, yeah. it's it, so, so. I don't know. I mean, those are, those are, I, you know, talking about, you know, 
Right to pass. What's a right to passage now? My daughter wants an iPhone. Okay. Well, let's talk about responsibility here. Mm-hmm. And we know, you know, why don't you have that? Because, well, you lost that other one. This is, it's not, a, it's not a toy. Let's see if we can go, how, see if we can go a month with you, me not having to come behind you and say, turn off your lights in the bedroom. Me not having to say, hey, did you clean up yourself? Hey, there's, a, you know, talk to her a lot about cause and effect. You know, with everything mm-hmm. you do, there's a, there's a, there's a response or there's an outcome. If you open up to go cook breakfast, well, these are all the eggshells and stuff you got to clean up afterwards. They're not, you know, kids aren't very good at cleaning up. They don't like to, we like to get it out. We just don't like to put it all back. Right. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. Think, I'm looking, I'm always looking for things of where can they make sure they're earning it and they understand that there's a consequence for everything that we do. Mm. And that's, a, I mean, that's hinting on what I mean, what your question is about rites of passage and stuff. Yeah. I, 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 I hope, that I'm putting that Camille and I are putting enough initiations in front of the kids so they really feel they've earned get some what 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 they're going to get. And I don't you know, and I want them to be able to go out in life and be able to negotiate a life and to understand that you get out of bed, you're taking a risk. Damn right, this scary stuff in the world. Mm-hmm. My, my my eldest son measures cities by how many and what kind of sirens he hears a day. No hmm. way. That's how he measures a city. And he knows the difference between a, a fire truck, an ambulance, and a police car. Wow. And so, like, Rio de Janeiro, I heard, you know, 31 ambulances, one fire truck, and 16 police trucks. New Orleans, cool. Hearing a lot of police and ambulances. Texas, you hear more, where we are in Austin, you hear more fire trucks. You know, but he's, he's measuring, and that's, he, he wants to go places where there's fewer ambulance and uh, fewer sirens that he hears. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know. Again, I'm trying to, I'm measuring those right now with what are their, what are going to be their rituals and right and, and rites of passage yeah. uh, initiations. Cause I do believe in them. And I, cause mm-hmm. I know they, I know they've helped me yeah. become, you know, I, I say this all the time. I go, man, I learned a lot of stuff in school. I passed those tests. Mm. But what do I really remember? Yeah that experience I had where I had to figure it out or I had to work to get that money, to get that CD. What I really remember is when I had to sacrifice to get something. Right. Yeah. Um, and I know there's a value in that. I believe there is. And I, I, I hope we're, it's hard, but Amer- it's hard to find a ritual in America. We don't, what's, what's ritual for us? Yeah. Football right. on Sunday. You know, I mean, yeah. Yeah. we don't have that much ri- ritual. No. Um, that I wish we did, but. Yeah. And it's scary as a, as a parent to kind of, uh, you know, as I'm reading your book and reading all these pivotal moments, I'm like, you know, like you're saying, I want that for my kids. I want to, I want to kind of give them autonomy. You know, I, I heard at one point, like how important it is for kids to feel like they're out on their own at a certain point, like it's summertime. Like I want them to kind of, go explore, even if they're just yeah. like in the backyard or whatever, it's really important for them to feel like they're on their own. Like there's a little bit of danger and I'm, you know, yeah. it's one thing for them, but for me as a, as a parent, I'm like, guys, that's too scary for me. You know what I mean? I know it's important for them, we, but it's so scary. We have to watch it though. As parents, don't we? The, the analogy I use is, is how high of li- what, what's the height of the limbs we let our kids go out on? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Kids aren't afraid of, the heights until they fall. Mm. And you don't want to, you know, when they're on that limb out there, you go, man, if they fell, I mean, they're just St. Augustine on the ground, but they're still going to, they're going to get bruised at least. 
that's I think usually a limb you're like let them keep climbing. Like, you, there's, a good, there's a good veterinarian down the road. Let them keep climbing. <laughs> well, then again, then they're up in the top of that dang tree, and if they fell from there, they're going to fall on cement. You start to go. This is yeah. more than a bruise, you know. So how do I say come down without making them feel fear of climbing? Because that fear is my, is our fear. Yes, mm. yes. They're climbing yeah. just the same way as they'd climb if they were two feet off the ground with that security. But we know, geez, if you do slip, if you do, so how do you get them to come down and say, oh, look, you got to come check this thing out down here. It's really cool. <laughs> hey, take your time. Yeah, 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 you got it. Come, but that's how you try to, you, go, you don't go, oh, get down from there. You know, then right. they're like, whoa, 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 where's, what's the fear about? I yeah. didn't, didn't have any fear. And we don't want to take away that innocence, even that ignorance uh, or naivete too yeah, early. Yeah. Mm. Johnny. Dave. After this crazy year in isolation we've had, I can't wait to spend time with my homies and home eds. Dave, I 100% agree with you. Are okay? you, you really mean that? I really mean it. Oh, yeah, thanks. there's no time like the present for a summer barbecue around the pool. You know, it doesn't right? work a summer barbecue in the pool, but in I digress. Pool. Summer yeah. cookouts, guess what? My favorite. Yeah, same. And Butcher Box, guys, Butcher Box yep. has made hosting even easier. Yeah. Forget spending forget stupid, it. sorry to use forget some colorful it. language, but Whoa. forget spending stupid amounts Whoa. of time searching high and low for high quality meat, Dave. It feels sometimes like my grocery store is out to get me. Yeah. That's but what Butcher Box, like. they deliver your favorite humanely sourced meat right to your doorstep. Yep. That's 9 to 11 pounds of meat Oof. packed fresh, shipped frozen, vacuum sealed, Dave. I'll say it again, vacuum sealed. <laughs> so all I have to do is pop that bad boy in the freezer and then I can grab it later for a wonderful we meal and wheel, which is like a wedding meal with family and friends. Is that That's really exactly it? it. It's that easy. My favorite package, Dave. Is the barbecue in a box. That's what it's called. It's my barbecue in a box. It comes with pre-made burgers, uh. ground beef, uncured bacon, chicken wings. Wait, 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 stop. I'm, I'm starting to get out. I'm making your hunger. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. yep. Well, mm -hmm. listen, that's okay because you can just get some butcher box and eat it. Uh. In the best quality, too. Yeah. I've found it nearly impossible to find meat that comes close to this good in my grocery you store. You talk about that a lot with me. Yep. Not to mention, it completely cuts out the meat market hassle, which we call the MMH, <laughs> which is different than the meat market hustle, which is a big hit back in the Totally 80s. different. Luckily, though, today's sponsor, ButcherBox, wants to celebrate you mm. and give you hassle-free summer. Hassle-free summer. So, for a limited time, ButcherBox is offering new members Don't say two it. No. free Don't lobster say tails. Don't say it, John. And, I'm not even done, two free ribeyes in your first box. What? If somebody came to you today and said, I'll give you free lobster tails and free ribeyes. You'd say, sign me I'd say, where up. do I sign me up? That is fancy, John. <laughs> so fancy. So let me tell you how to sign up. Okay. All you have to do, choose your box okay. and how frequently you want it delivered. Okay. What, okay. what are my options, though? I'm glad you asked. Okay. Butcher Box offers four curated box options mm. along with custom box. Ooh. So you can personalize your delivery and your favorite cuts of meat. Oh, man, I'm in. Count me in. Good. Okay, so to redeem this special deal, just sign up for a membership at butcherbox.com slash dadville. Okay. That's butcherbox.com slash dadville for free lobster tails and ribeyes oh, in your first gosh. box, people. Just stop thinking about it. Sign up for that thing. Get your butcher box on. You know, the great thing about podcasts... <laughs> We get older, but they stay the same age. <laughs> See, that was good, wasn't it? Give me that. That's good. So McConaughey, what a guy. What a, what a legend. What a stud. What a lovely legend. So great. <laughs>
so next up, we get to sit down with, with you know, kind of, I feel like Al Andrews is kind of like a second dad. He's sort of like a, a dad junior. He's me. somebody that I hope, like you meet him and you genuinely hope Everyone has an Al Andrews in their yes, life. Yes, that's wow! What a compliment. And also, you just want to be held by him, <laughs> to be hugged by him. Uh, he is a therapist in Franklin, uh, Tennessee, here, just a little ways south of Nashville. Who started a nonprofit counseling center for recording, recording, recording arts. Gosh, I turned that's Irish Eastern, in the Eastern most European. Oh, I, I went Eastern European <laughs> no, with recording artist uh, for their now. families. I, I got like just there's little words that sort of trigger my accents and apparently fire. Oh, he's fired a card and artist and their family's here. Um, so, no, but he does uh, it's uh, Porter's Call, which we love and I know... Um, Have benefited from so greatly. Deeply, yes, yes, yeah. very much so. Yeah, he, he has incredible insight and such helpful advice, I think, on this episode. So, yep. here is just a part of our conversation with the one, the only, Alan Andrews. So, you decided to go to counseling school. Where'd you go, by the way? I went to Grace Seminary, and my mentors and teachers were the guy, a guy named Dan Ellender oh, and man. Larry Crabb. Jeez, that's and, like um, the one-two punch. Yeah, it really was. And um, they're no longer there. They went separate ways, but uh, that's where I went. Is that how Silence of Adam? Like- Silence of Adam came out when they had moved to Colorado. Colorado Christian University and had a program up there and I was both of them. Yeah, both of them. Oh, wow. And I, uh, ended up teaching there. And while I was there, I had a buddy, Don Hudson and I started doing some men's conferences and, um, we joined with Larry because he was, he had a name and wrote a book together. Oh, that's awesome. The silence of Adam. So funny. My roommate in college, I've told you this obviously, but my roommate in college had silence of Adam and I've read, I think, Either I read it or most of it. Yeah. There was parts that I liked, especially with this guy named Al writing them. Yeah, well, shucks. Yeah, um, it was fun. Those letters are in red. <laughs> yeah, they are. They're more of a pink because you that's can't. That's two of them. Like a salmon. But, yeah, yeah. salmon. Salmon. Yeah. Um, so, so you brought, you mentioned, you know, being single, you go to counseling because you kind of feel like, mm-hmm. you know, you need to work this out. So enters Nita, your incredible, incredible mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. bride, who is also a counselor, mm-hmm. artist, a poet. She's much yes. like you, um, a many-colored, you know, <laughs> rainbow of talent, um, a <laughs> force. Um, so, so how did y'all meet? Like, what were the sort of forces that came together for y'all? Well, backing up to counseling school, when I went to counseling school, part of the way they did things there was, in addition to classes, you're in groups, and you're in individual sessions, and you're you're counseled, mm. if you will. And during that time, all of that stuff that I had swallowed wow. over the years began to pour out. Mm. And it was a very, very dark season in my life. Wow. And took a while to kind of recover from that, really. And um, Can I ask you this yeah. for a moment? What made that dark, the repression of stuff for so long? Yeah, probably a combination of remembering some things that had happened Mm. that had been just kind of pushed down, Mm -hmm. remembering those things, but still carrying with me the old ways. In other words, 
there was a time when things were so dark, I wasn't sure if I was going to make it through the next day. Wow. And if you would have called me, and people did say, are you doing okay? I might have said something like, I've been better, like that. Mm, yeah. Versus now, if I was feeling like that, and you said, how are you doing? I would grab you by the shirt and say, Dave, save me from myself. Wow. Yeah. You know? Wow, geez. So... So even then, Amazing. going through school, I was still committed to, I can't say everything. Mm. Yeah. So we got it's through. It's like you're learning the things that you can't quite do yet. Yeah, yeah. It was really an odd thing. So after school, I, I took a year off, and a dear friend of mine gave me a job working in a furniture store. <laughs> in North Carolina? In, in uh, Winston-Salem, North Carolina, okay. which is not which my you forte. you can put your woodworking Well, actually, I, actually, it was more like, do you like this piece of furniture? I'll sell it oh, to you. I see. That you look kind of like thing. that you would enjoy this kind of Barca lounge. Yes. <laughs> it was this high-end, beautiful store. And he let me do that. And it kind of let things settle in. Yeah. Mm. And then during the middle of that year, or during the end of that year, Dan, who knew Nita and knew me, said, I think you should meet each other. No way. So we met on the phone. Back then, people did that. There was no email. <laughs> this will date me, you know. There was a phone with a cord. Oh, yeah. And we spent hundreds of dollars on the phone getting there, and re- we wrote letters. Where was she? Wait, yeah, where she, was she? She was in Nashville. and oh, I she was, was in here. Win- and I was in Winston. She grew up here. So cool. Um, and I was in Winston-Salem. And so we would call and write letters, like yeah. those things that you put in envelopes and stamps. Yeah. We, and we would all write letters back and forth. And it was really amazing. For how long? Probably for about three months. Okay. And then I called and said, I maybe four months. And then I called and said, I think I need to come and visit. And so I flew to Nashville for a blind date. I mean, that's intense. I know. It was really intense. Where where did you guys go for this first date? Oh, you're going to love this. She met me at the airport. And it was like one in the afternoon. And so she goes, what in the world do you do with somebody you don't know at one in the afternoon? So she had a little sailboat. Um, and so she brought it to the airport. And we went right out to Percy Priest. Jeez. And oh, wow. went sailing. And then there was a storm. and Yes, yeah, sailing. And then there was a big storm that came and we were blown across the lake. And all that. But it was a great. And then, and then she had set up a group of friends to have dinner in case I was a dud, so there'd be a place to go. I love that. So, yeah, I love woman. the backup. Yeah. Just just really quickly, when Annie and I went on our first date, it was the day she graduated college, and she did the exact same thing. She had a backup plan mm. that we were going to go to Square Books in Oxford, Mississippi on the square, and she was going to post up there and have her friends filter through. And little did she know. I got two fifteen. Literally, so so I got there. We went down to the square. We met up because I, you know, I'd only really hung with her a couple times. And she was like, you know, we're having fun. She's like, oh, let's go over to Square Books. And all of a sudden, her friends just start showing up, which she didn't realize was like a chum to shark for me because I was like, oh, you have friends. Let me entertain them. (laughs) You know, it was just (laughs) literally they filtered through, and like she was like, I've made a terrible. Because I'm like, well, who are you? Oh, look, I'm juggling that. You're wearing tap shoes? Yeah, I mean, it was. But I love that. I love that she's like, listen, girls, if something goes bad, I'm going to have a backup plan. We're going to meet up with y'all. Yeah, Yeah. so so we did. 
Um, and we were soaking wet from the storm uh, that came on the lake that day. But then the next day, we went to um, to Loveless Cafe uh, for breakfast. Got some biscuits. Got some biscuits. And then we went to Davis Kid and showed each other mm. our favorite books. Oh, I love that. And then we went out to have this wonderful dinner. And then we went to see When Harry Met Sally. Oh, I love oh, that. Nice. And it was on at the theater. And it was great. Great um, soundtrack. Great soundtrack. And and that's also a movie where we could tell, oh, she laughed at that scene. That's good. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I know yeah. that she's not yeah. stiff or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It was just an amazing. We had a great weekend. And then, gosh, we probably had six or seven dates after that. And we got married uh, a year from when we met. Wow. So what is, like, because you and Nita as two counselors, like, John and I were were laughing about this. We were sort of getting ready for this interview. Like, do you guys just sit and sort of counsel it? You know, it's like, you know, what what did you say? Like, do you just come home? It's like, (laughs) if you say the right, if you respond in the right way, does her eyes just roll like, I don't want you to go to the textbook right now. I know. Al, just... Talk actually, actually, just to clear up a misconception, it's sort of like a doctor's children are always sick. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, exactly. And, and so it just really is not that dynamic in our house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. At all. I mean, it's You're really spent not. by the time you get I mean, home. We, we may ask each other some other questions, but it's just not. It's yeah. just not like. So it's what you're saying. <laughs> Nina, I want to say first, I hear you. I see <laughs> yeah. you. Oh, if I said I that, she would throw you. something at me. So, so what, what is y'all's dynamic? Like, what, what is it? Oh, we're how just very work? different. Uh, I, I don't even know how to describe it. We should probably get her on here to describe our dynamic. I'm much more extroverted than mm-hmm. she is. But we've kind of learned how, like, she gets energized by being alone. Mm. And I get energized by being with people. Mm. And so instead of making her be with people or whatever, she kind of invites me into the world of silence. Mm. So she'll say to me now and then, Al, I think you might need to go to the monastery for a while. Wow. And I I might invite her more into the world of relationships. I think we ought to go out to eat with some folks. We're, we're very different, but we invite each other into love each that. other's world that's, that's instead of trying to make each other. We did that for a while, for a few years. Yeah. I think she'd be much happier if she was an extrovert. Mm. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I you know be best for so you. so much happier. She'd be so change. much happier if she did life the way I did. Yeah. But um, I think that's kind of where we've ended up. We're, when we went to counseling together, he said, you all need to be comfortable with the fact that you're very different mm. and you need to do some things by yourselves, and it's fine. You know, yeah. it, it's funny. I, I think one of the biggest takeaways I've gotten through counseling over the years, um, you know, because Annie and I have done it I mean, with you for a long time. We've we've seen a few different people here in town that have all been so helpful. And I think one of the biggest takeaways that I've gotten personally is that, literally, was hearing, you know, because I think as just a Christian man, I was like, I am the head of the house and I represent our, we, and I need to make sure she's always okay. And I'm here to foster her relationship with God and mm. her relationship with the children and all these things. And I think one of the most freeing things I've ever learned in my life was in the counseling room and someone saying, no, that's not really right. Like mm-hmm. you need to care for her and you mm-hmm. need to lead her to the Lord. But she 
is autonomous from you in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Yeah. And it just was like this, <gasps> yeah. uh, you know, because I've been putting all this pressure on myself as the husband to really lead well. And when she would have a bad day, somehow that was my fault, you know. Or you'd or I would, have a bad day too. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think that was super helpful. And yeah. so, so, and I think it's really profound and, and really powerful. And I just want to re, I, I want to say this again. So, Everybody's listening can realize the profundity of this, that two counselors, not one counselor and a wife or one counselor and a mm-hmm. husband, two counselors went to counseling. Oh, yeah. You know, like, I, yeah. I, I think that's really profound and really wise. I, because I think of you and Nita both as very wise people. I think, you know, I, I think if you would ask me, I'd say, now that's a couple that probably doesn't need to go see people to talk about their relationship because yeah. you have two wise people who are both counselors You're like a self-cleaning oven yes that's right you're just every night every yeah. night you just hit the self-clean there's just well, a 10 minute setting yeah that's yeah. hilarious but you know i it's funny yes thank you for saying we're wise and we're also self-centered Very sinners true. that's right um yeah. and mess up things yeah and mess up our relationship well, I remember and how profound it was sitting in your room talking to you one of the first times we'd done counseling and you joking about how you had a jar that you and Nita always laughed with your boys. Yes. Anytime you said something you knew that was like, oh, he's going to need to get counseling because yeah. you'd put a dollar in the jar. <laughs> yeah, yes. And I thought, yeah, that yeah. is hysterical. That is, yeah, was, we called it the counseling. We did, it was metaphorical, but we'd go, we'd look at each other and go, whew, that's going to be $20 in the counseling <laughs> jar. <laughs> oh, and because what a great way to save. There's so yeah, <laughs> really and and you know what we actually told our kids this. We'd say, you know, when you go to counseling one day, first of all, I hope your counselor is kind to us. Mm, yeah. Because we tried. Yeah. But <laughs> we, we can give you a list of things <laughs> that we know we did. Yeah, we we just shortcut. And, and it'll save you a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just walk in with his sheet. Yeah, walk in. Just with give sheet. it to the counselor. It's a worksheet. It's a worksheet <laughs> for your counselor. I mean, I can tell you, like, there's a moment. Oh my gosh, there's so many moments that I have that I go, oh gee, I, I did this, I did this, yeah, or I said this, yeah, or whatever, and I go, oh my gosh, and one one years later, probably when they were like twenty and seventeen, one of them said, "Are y'all really worried about that? <laughs> really? Yeah," and I said, "Well." Kind of, because, you know, people have to talk about their parents because mm. yeah. they're born to be have a relationship with God and they get parents. Yeah. and <laughs> That's a great way to we, put that. We, and I don't care how many books you read, you're going to fail them. Yeah. And they're going to have something they need to talk about. Mm. And so, yeah, it's kind of on our minds, but I hope they go and they will. And, and I hope that I will be humble when they yeah. come and tell me what they need to tell me yeah you know well, you said something to me in counseling that you had <clears> said <throat> to your boys that <clears throat> has been really important i think about it all the time oh my gosh tell me what it you was. said it's it's basically what you just said you said look you guys were meant to to live with jesus you got me and at some point that's going to catch up with you and mm. i'm here to talk when you're ready yeah. man that's great so like, did what he a, say, did what I a say true, that? or maybe, maybe that <laughs> yeah, was maybe, you maybe right. was you it, it sounds right wise, so probably yeah, <laughs> maybe a lyric. <laughs> but what a great yeah. and true, and if you can swallow that and really mm. own that as a as a dad, you know, because it's inevitable. You're either going to fight against it or just 
surrender yeah. to it. Yeah. That was a really that was a gift for me. I'm glad. I can't you know. think of a better gift. I mean, we've talked about this some, John, but I can't think of a better gift you can give your kids than being well acquainted with one's sin yeah. uh, and, and having an appropriate view of your shortcomings. That That's yeah. a real gift to your kids. Because yeah. then, that, then that hopefully spurs apology, which you've taught me is, that, is such a profound gift to your child. Oh, I remember a time when Nita was gone for like a long weekend and the boys were like, Gosh, six and three. And she was gone from like Friday to like Tuesday or something. And it was like Sunday night and you know, bless my heart. I was I was Yeah, you were deep I was you were tired. deep in it, yeah. I was deep in it. I was tired. And I put them to bed and did the routine and they came out for water and I put them back to bed. Instantly thirsty. Yeah, because yeah. they're always thirsty, and then they had to pee, and then and then they, I put them bed. And I think by the, I, I finally just sat down and I had some kind of like, dream sickle or something, <laughs> some kind of little yogurt bar that I was just chilling out, and they came out again, and I just snapped. I <laughs> threw the yogurt. Yeah, you did against the wall. It slapped the wall, and I just yelled. And they ran back to their rooms and just got in bed really fast. And I just immediately just felt, oh, my gosh. And I went in there, and they were just, like, really quiet. And I said, "Um, guys, you know, I didn't want you to come out, but there was no excuse for me yelling like Mm. that. And yep. throwing the ice cream against the wall, <laughs> which was a little dramatic. That was huh? our last dream. <laughs> that was our last. That was my last. But anyway, and it is said, dad licking the wall? So I said, <laughs> "So I'm really sorry, but I want to know how you're feeling." Oh wow! And Brent said, "I'm really scared." Oh, and I my went, gosh. oh no! Fifty dollars in the bucket. Fifty. That was like sixty. Uh, but anyway. So this is what's fun about you being on the other side of, you know, where John and I are right now with our young kids. What were the challenges of having two different personalities, like fathering two different personalities? You know, that's a great question. The personalities seem to make the shifts maybe at 13 or in 13 or 14, and then they would explore different things. But when they were smaller, they would, love to do anything I'd suggest. Mm. It became my job to, my job, that's a great word, but it's true, to th- think of creative things that would get them interested and do it and invite them into it. Yeah. Mm. And so are they pretty close? They are. Yeah. They are. There was a little season uh, where they weren't. Maybe when the first one turned 13 and right. it's not cool to be friends with your nine-year-old brother right right but but i remember almost the weekend that they became friends again Hmm. really and now they're really close so was that kind of hard for you guys to see them kind of like oh yeah there was this there was this little year or two when we were going oh no yeah you know when when we get older they're not going to talk you know they're going to be those kind of whatever but they 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 really love each other and how old were you when you had kids 40 and 43. Yeah, my college roommate has like nine grandchildren. Because yeah. <laughs> he got married when he was 21. And I got married wow. when I was 36. Wow. 
So uh, was being a dad what you expected it to be? I mean, you, you had the unique experience of having a lot of time to kind of, you know, and a lot of schooling, and I'm sure you learned a lot about the relationship between parents and kids. Was it what you expected it to be once you finally became a dad? I may have had schooling, but it didn't help. <laughs> um, it's sort of like reading books on parenting. It helps you a little bit, but not much. Um, but I, I do think that I gave something different to my children because I'd just been through a lot. Yeah. I'd gotten rid of, I'd grown up. Do you think you would have been a totally different dad if you had had kids at 21? Oh, yeah. 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 Because, you know, I went through a lot of stuff. Yeah in my late 20s and 30s that they would have had to go through with me. Right, yeah. Including depression and yeah. all that. And and they would have survived it. People do. Yeah. But it would have been very different. So I felt like as an older dad, I didn't have the energy to give them. <laughs> that mm-hmm. I'm kind of jealous of people that go backpacking with their kids because by the time I had them, my back hurt. <laughs> oh, my God. So I taught my children that, Cabins are wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Air conditioning. They love cabins. This Hampton Inn is right next to the yeah. trees. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like I gave them something different. Again, they're still going to have to go to counseling, but right. but it just was, I don't think anybody is prepared to be a father. Mm. Right. But um, I just, you know, when I look back on it, I go, that was really fun. Mm. And they remember it. You know, yeah. we would we do things like on there's a day in our neighborhood where people put out things in the trash besides trash, like you'd put an old record player out or just a you know just stuff like that. And we would drive around and find things like an old TV, or my wife went crazy when we came home, so we we would get out of the car and get the old TV and put it in the car. And um, maybe, gosh, anything electronic. And then we'd bring it back to our workshop and take it apart. And it was just amazing. Oh, I love that. So, so fun. Cool. We'd have pieces all over. And just just to take a TV apart, mm. you know, and, yeah, it was just fun. What kind of dad would you say that you are, which is, which is a little bit of a weird question, but, like, you know, what was it that you were – trying to be not trying to be what were the and still and what are the priorities you have and had and then not you know i think one of the things that's been consistent is that i've always believed that my children my sons had a very intricate and complicated interior world Hmm. and i think that's true of everyone But I think a lot of people don't believe that about their children. And so I've always believed that and therefore felt like one of the things that we've been committed to is to always pursue it. Always never ask questions that can be answered with a yes or a no. Like we don't go, how was your day? Because that'll be fine especially when they're teenagers. Yeah. And that tells you nothing versus tell me something about your day that I wouldn't know unless you told me. Wow. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't say we did that all the time, whatever. But, you know, there, there was a day when my son was about five, maybe four and a half, when 
one of his friends was killed in an auto accident. And I didn't know what to do with that because mm-hmm. he's little, but he knows she's died. And so I would ask him, how are you? How are you feeling? And he would say, okay, or something like a little kid would say. And then the next day his stomach started hurting really badly, and we Mm. took him to the doctor, and the doctor said that's where it is. And so I kept asking him, just, you know, whether it's laying down at night, how are you feeling? And and he would be okay, and then I'd just say, what's it like? And he'd be okay. And I just felt like it was my job to keep pushing in Mm. because, again... I believe it's intricate and complicated in there. And then probably the second day he said, are they going to put her in a box? Oh, my gosh. And I went, "Um, yeah. I said, why do you want to know? And he said, well, and then I, I realized that he had gone to what he was familiar with, which is Snow White. And that's what he'd seen. And he said, because if she's in a box, maybe I could go and kiss her. Oh, my gosh. You know, and then, and then you know, my, my eyes start filling up. And, and then... This is the second time I'm and, and then, oh, wait, wait, I'm not finished. And then, you know, because he's trying to put it together. He goes, well, I can go kiss her. And then I go, well, no, I don't think that'll work. And then he said... Can God kiss through glass? Oh, my and I went yes, <laughs> and just <laughs> fell apart. And he did too. And I really could have missed that, and he yeah. could have missed that, you know. And it was this moment that oh my gosh, that he was processing it, yeah, and dealing with it. But how easy it would have been. And I know I've missed a lot by not asking the questions. But to go, well, he says he's feeling okay. I guess he's doing yeah, okay. Yeah. But all of a sudden that just comes out and that's in there and he's four and a half. Mm, and yeah. they go, it's just stirring. So to me, one of the things is just always assume that their little minds are going and working and trying to put things together and they're not simple. I mean, everybody yeah. knows that, but... It's easy to treat them like they're simple. I love listening to Al Andrews speak. It makes me feel at ease. It, it lowers my heart rate. Yes, yes. You know? He would make a fortune doing like a uh, call in the Calm app. Yes. Why hasn't he got into that space? You know, everybody, give us Maybe a minute. We're going to make a quick call. <laughs> We'll be right back. Well, yeah. Will we take a slight cut, Al? Yeah. Yeah. Slight feels a little smaller than what I was thinking. Uh, so, yes, amazing. Obviously, Al is is a uh, an amazing, amazing friend and counselor and mentor. Um, and at the same time, guys, there's just so much wisdom we can give you on these podcasts. So we're yep. kind of nearing the end of our second greatest hits episode. Mm-hmm. And you guys are screaming right now. No. We want more. We want more. And we're going, okay, okay. But listen, before before we wrap it up, um, I want to – oh, we're not wrapping it up. We have one more to go. We got. We have one more guest, so sit tight here. You are so excited for this to be done. <laughs> I'm 
You want to go on that vacation? I just vacation. want to get that contract going so, with Al Andrews. That's what you're thinking about. <laughs> but I want to remind everybody, um, we would love to hear from you on our Dadville survey. So please, please, please uh, give us a little feedback as we want Dadville to be the perfect place for everyone. Hey, in, in, in all sincerity, we really do mean this. Like, we love doing this, but we also want it to be something that, you know, feedback is helpful. We kind of know like, oh, that's something we like that others don't or vice right. versa. Yeah. And so please do fill those out. You can find the link to the survey in the episode description or on the Dadville social media. And listen, be honest. Yeah. But be nice. Yeah. Unless it's being mean, then don't be honest. Right. Of course. There it is. Of course. Yeah. So, okay. Let's take this uh, episode home strong with mm. a clip of our conversation with our great friend, Mr. Ben Rector. If you know Ben, you love Ben. So you know it's going to be a good time. So we hope you're having a great summer. Here's Ben Rector. So I just have one question about music before we get into, you know, Dadville stuff and the interview actually starts okay, great. and we start recording. Um, <laughs> because I feel like that moment at the Tabernacle uh, in the Macy's Day Parade, you know, is maybe another one that pertains to this. Like your, I feel like your identity as a musician, correct me if I'm wrong, it, a lot of it is like, this was not supposed to happen. Like, I didn't see this coming. Yes. You know, they're, like you were saying, there's no, it's not like your dad is Stevie Winwood. Like, this is, you know, your dad's in Oklahoma just kind of working on deals and envelopes and stuff like that. And then you become Ben Rector. So oh, I'm sorry. Hold I'm, on, hold on, hold on. Working on deals and envelopes. envelopes. I assume envelopes are involved. I don't I don't know. I'm not a banker. Sometimes depends on the deal, John. It depends. <laughs> I'm sorry. So is there any part of you, like as you're at the tabernacle in that moment? Is there any part of you that is thinking at a certain point you shed that identity? And I, I wonder for you, if I'm putting myself in your shoes, that would be a scary thought because it is it seems to have caused you to write a bunch of great songs from that angle. Like at a certain point, are you like, okay, I I can't write from that angle anymore because that's not really the truth. No, totally. And I think honestly, in writing this record, it's been an interesting thing because I feel like a lot of <clears throat> my writing is either like introspective or like celebrates normal things or whatever. And I, they're definitely writing this record is like figuring out how to come at that from an honest place, but also some of the things about my life are not normal anymore right and to be right. fair it's not like it's like and then i'm tom cruise i guess and i just can't go anywhere it's not like that but i do think some of it is like and i i still am like is this gonna be my real life because i kept thinking like i'll do music and then i'll just stop doing music um and now it's like i guess i'll keep doing it for a little while longer so i, I would say this though I don't think this is like a defense mechanism or me being like, ah, I don't want to like try because then what if I don't do good really and truly I feel very at home and natural writing songs and singing and that kind of stuff. And even though I seem maybe natural on stage, that is just a very uh, intense and it's not an experience I seek out. Like the last time I performed in front of people and was not like rewarded for that, like monetarily or like was on a TV or something like at a party, I would never perform ever. Like it uh -huh. would be like, Hey Ben, play a song. And I'd be like, no, 
I don't want to yeah. do that. Some of that is grounded, not just situationally where it's like, whoa, it's crazy that I'm a musician. Never thought that would happen. Some of it is also because I'm very uncomfortable like doing some of my job. Which can I just say I, I, really quickly, because I think that's really profound. When you say that, and what do you mean by that? Like some of it, you're un, like, what are the parts that are so uncomfortable? Yeah, I would say my like reaction to performing in front of people instead of being like on a fundamental level, instead of being like, check this out, everybody look out at how awesome I am. My internal reaction is more like, don't mess this up. Is like, oh man, I'm I'm losing this part of the audience or like, oh, yeah. we still have to play this song and like sometimes it doesn't go that well. Oh my gosh, like just fundamentally instead of seeing the upside and seeing the like people think I'm cool it's more like oh gosh like that's just like the way that I process that and so because of that it doesn't mean that it's a bad experience but it's it's not like I just can't wait to get on stage and a lot of my job is performing and so that performance part um still now feels a little bit like, you know what I mean? Mm, I think some yep. people look forward to it. And I hate if I'm bursting any bubbles here, but I thought about this, uh, this year I've never one time woken up in the morning and been like, I get to play a show tonight. It's always like, <laughs> okay, here we go. Here we go. And so like, that's, that's the part yeah. to me that feels un unnatural a little bit. Well, you know, I'd say that only because this is a conversation John and I have a lot. Like we talk about this a lot in our friendship is how I'm more like you are, Ben, and John is is diametrically opposed. Like, and, and, and John will tell you, both of us don't love the traveling part of it like we used to. But John is like, but once I get on stage, I'm about to rock the mic. I'm like, Gosh. I don't know if I've ever felt like well, that. Dude, I, let, me, let, me, let me be so clear, much. though. I don't feel that way that whole day. I don't feel that way. But once, I mean, leading up to a tour, I am, I am like petrified. And, and the day of the first show, I am like, what have we done? Every single time, <laughs> every single done? time. And literally I'm side stage. I think that's how, think that's how everybody feels. Yeah, yeah. I'm side stage at that first show. And I'm like, this is a mistake. I, I don't have it anymore. It's gone. Whatever. If I even had it to begin with. And then once the show starts, then yes, I'm like, I love this so much, but I'm still, I'm, I would never be that guy at the party. That's like, right. Oh no, piano. Hey guys, <laughs> can we turn the music down? <laughs> you know, I would never, ever do that. But, oh my gosh. So watch, watch this transition here, Ben, you're going to be so impressed. So speaking of writing songs from that angle, watch where I'm going. Uh, you wrote Love Like This for Jane, for little sweet Jane, who may be the most beautiful child I've ever seen. Oh, my God. Conversation <laughs> for another child. Every time I see her, I kind of have like this weird sort of like, I want to make sure she's never hurt and someone paints her <laughs> as soon as they can. Um, <laughs> it's sort of a dual feeling. So you wrote that for her. What was it like having Jane? Like, what was the entry into being a dad like for you? I'll preface this with, I feel like what I feel as a dad is the most like uncomplicated thing that I've ever mm. felt. I feel like mm. so much, so many things I'm like, I'm feeling the right way about this. Should I be enjoying this show more? What does that mean? Jane is just like, just, I just want to be around her. I just like, can't wait to get her up in the morning. Um, yeah, she is the best. And 
So I feel like the uh, you asked what the entry point was, mm-hmm. or just like what was entry like into being a dad? You know, I think at very first, it's challenging, obviously, and I think I loved her, but not in the same way as I do now. So like mm. Hillary and I joked, I don't know if this is insensitive or not, that having a kid is like having an extreme pet at first, where you're like <laughs> extreme pet. Hey. <laughs> and it's like definitely we loved her definitely we liked her but and i feel like this way about roy and bert now i love them but i don't like truly know them yet like they're mm-hmm, so right. small mm-hmm. and like yeah when they smile yeah. it makes me so happy but when jane started to like be a whole person and i don't know when exactly that transition was but i remember being like because everybody with you know the cliches you hear where you're just like oh my gosh like i'd do anything whatever it's like i, I mean i totally would but I feel like when she got a little bit older, I was just like, oh my gosh, all the cliches mm. are true. I totally understand it. <laughs> yeah. uh, I just, this is like, it's the best. So yeah. Mm. It only gets better and better. I mean, I, Luca and I took a trip to Chicago, just the two of us. Oh man. Last summer, I think it was, I can't remember. But, and I feel like that was a real pivotal moment where I, I was like really in real time feeling a lot of the things that you're, describing like she's like a little person now who has like these you know this little personality we're like kind of friends now we're like hanging you know totally yeah and i feel like a lot of like to to speak to the moms and dads out there who are it it might be different for moms actually not to get into it but like for dads when you have you first have a, a little baby and you become a dad for the first time there is kind of this or i felt like this pressure to feel this real like divine connection. Right. And it might not feel that way, you know, because you just don't really know them yet. And, you know, and also you're the dad. So you're sort of not really necessary for a while, you know, and you're just kind of hanging around in the back holding a purse, you know? Yep. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That, that, so from Jane now, and you have the twins, which we'll talk about the dudes here in a minute, but, how do you parent differently or what what is your parenting like compared to to your parents? Have you have you sort of thought about that? Like are there things that you've done not done or Yeah, I th- I mean I think some of it is I probably would be able to answer that better if she was older cuz I can't remember what it was like to be her yeah. age, but I do find myself I feel like everything in life so far before whatever it is happens, you're like, I understand this. And I don't know how it goes. <laughs> you old people just don't get it. <laughs> and I feel like everything, when you get there, you're like, I get it. I totally get why things are, you know, the way they are, whatever. I don't have a lot of specifics where it's like, I'm going to do this and this different than my parents did. I thought they did a great job as parents, but it's funny. Cause I can already uh, like she'll get home from like uh, the preschool she goes to. And I'm like, I totally get it now. I, I'm on the other side of like, just tell me something. What happened? Who did you talk to? Did anything funny happen? I, and it's literally like, I'm such a fan of you. I just want to know things. And it's like, oh, I get it. I totally yeah. get all that stuff. Yeah. So I don't know if there's anything specifically that I would do different or that I, you know, whatever. But I think more than anything, some of the stuff, like some of the parent tropes, you're like, yeah, totally. Or, you know, whatever Hillary and I are like really hard line on. If it's like, tell the truth or like listen to mom and dad, whatever. 
choosing battles and then sometimes you're like no we're gonna we're going to the mat on this like and it's yeah. so funny you're like i'm such a such a dad because you're just like <laughs> nope we're gonna talk about this you know what i mean i i feel like typically when you have your second kid i feel like there's this cool thing that tends to happen maybe not always but for me like when livy came along luca and i it was like luca and i were together a lot because Livy was with Amy and, you know, so we just kind of naturally like form this stronger bond with Luca uh, or with the older one. But I don't know what it's like with twins. Like you're our first guest, I believe, to have twins. Also twins during COVID time. Like has has that felt like that's your like that's what's happened? Like, yeah, you and Jane have really formed this closer bond. Yes, I I do feel like it. So a couple people have said that um, where it's like, oh, like when we had other kids, I felt like I became, you know, I was kind of like managing the older kid or whatever. I think it's it is somewhat like that. The twins are more like full contact, so it's a little more like we're all just in it together. <laughs> right. But I definitely feel like even like later in Hillary's pregnancy and then early with the twins the easiest thing that I can do to help out a lot of times is to like take Jane to do something. So it's like, we're going to go on a walk or a run or like run an errand or something. Um, and I do feel like we started being able to spend more time together, just us in the last, I'll say six or seven months. And what's funny is like, I always look forward to it. Like for a while at the beginning of the pandemic, um, and later on in, in Hillary's pregnancy, every morning I would take Jane for a walk up by Belmont. We had like a route we did and I would like look forward to it every day just yeah. to like hear the funny stuff she would say or like just get to like be with her. I did a bunch of stuff with her before we were pregnant with the twins, but, um, or Hillary was pregnant with the twins rather, but I definitely feel like it increased because I, that's the only way I was really able to give Hillary a break. Mm. I remember Drew told this story where he um he was taking Amy Lou out to like on a daddy daughter date or whatever and cuz we were t I was asking how are they you know with mom do they only want to be with mom never want to be with dad cuz that's that was my experience and he was like yeah I took I, Amy Lou didn't want to go on this date and I was like she's kicking and screaming literally and I'm like, we're going on this date. You will hang out with me. I'm your dad. <laughs> we are going to be friends. Is it? What's it, that? Doesn't seem like it's the dynamic with you no, guys. No, no, there definitely is that. I feel like no knock on Jane. Totally get it. But most of the time, given the choice, she would want to hang out with Hillary. Like, yeah. Every time I give her a bath, and she, you know, it's like kind of the, the witching hour, and she's like a little more shambles than normal. It's like, all right, Jane guess what it's time for looks at me. I want mom to do it. <laughs> it's like, Jane, it's me many times. It is me. And it's like the first time, every time, like occasionally she might be like, okay, cool. She's always like, I want my mom to give me a bath. She says, take me a bath. She's like, can mom take me a bath? And I'm like, no, Jane, <laughs> she's so I'm going to take you a bath. Yeah. <laughs> she's um, so English. She just likes doing stuff with, anybody really yeah. like if one of you showed up at our house and was like hey jane do you want to hang out she'd be like peace out mom and dad but so like generally if i'm like hey jane like let's go on a walk she'll be like sick let's do it she wouldn't say sick let's do it but she'd be like, <laughs> i was gonna be amazed if she did oh man if she did that'd be awesome uh but i just generally 
given the choice, she would choose to do something with Hillary, probably. Yeah. Yeah. What has surprised you about being a dad? Like, what did you not see coming? I think really, really just how, uh, at this point, how uncomplicated it is. It's just like, I don't know what that is that I sometimes am like, ah, am I feeling this the right way? Or is this how most people feel about things? I feel like with Jane, it's just, I feel like I'm in the club. I'm just like, Mm. yeah, man, your kids Mm. are the best, aren't they? It's like, (laughs) absolutely. Um, and I don't, I don't think I had a lot of like expectations. I expected it to be challenging, which it is, but I think the biggest deal is it just, yeah, I'd probably that. And I guess maybe the challenging parts are really challenging, but you forget that you're doing it with your kids. I think I had, I was never imagining that. I was imagining like, gosh, this is going to be so hard. And you're like, well, yeah, because you only see it with other people's kids who, no offense, you don't love as much as your kids. Right. So if you're like, right. yeah, you got to like take care of these children, I'd be like, oof. I don't know, man. Terrible. I don't know if I'm cut out for that. But it's like you have to take care of Jane. I'd be like, oh, sweet. Like, I mean, that'll be hard, but like, yeah, I'd love to hang out with her. So I, you know, probably those two things. How has it changed how you think about your career? I think I was always, when I started music, because kind of what we talked about earlier, like some parts of it feel unnatural or like, uh, like not comfortable. I always was just, I thought I was going to like do it and then quit. Like for a long time, I was like, I'll probably stop this when I'm 30. I was just like, cause I just can't, I can't do it anymore. Yeah, you are, you are like the only musician friend of mine. I think I would say that has always kind of had that mentality. I know like everyone else is like, like Dave and I have talked about this on here before when we've had some friends who have, they're not musicians anymore. They, they are a deal sealer now and it's just so we're like perplexed we're like what do you mean you're not just quick aside a deal sealer is very different from a seal dealer but i digress right 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 same family though but yeah you've always had that and it's even compounded by the fact that you are so successful yet you still have this kind of mentality that like yeah this is you know for now this is kind of what we're doing this is going to be story time with Dave for just a minute. This is one of my favorite moments of living on the street. I'm nervous. This was probably three or four years ago. Uh, now, what you need to know for context, listener, is that for a while, Paris Avenue was the most powerful music street in Nashville. Um, uncontested. Oh, yeah. John and I both lived on it. Ben was the OG to live on Paris. Um, oh, I was actually. So yeah, you started that party, which I have to say this too. Really, really, really quick fun fact that I got to add. Ben and I, as we talked about, met years and years ago. When Ben was thinking about moving to Nashville, he came and stayed. This is before you and Hillary were married. Came and stayed with Annie and I for a couple nights to scout the joint. Like we had a couple talks. And I remember on the phone where you were like, hey, you know, Nashville, tell me about it. Give me the pitch. And so we kind of talked about it. And he was like, okay, you know, call me back. What, like a month later? He's like, hey, Hill and I think we're going to move there. And I was like, dude, I think it's a great decision. He said, but we're going to come check out the city, you know, look at houses at cool for crashy. So he, he stayed with Annie and I at our duplex um, on Melrose right off uh, 8th. And I remember you coming back and be like, hey, we found this great little place we're going to rent. It's uh, it's on Walkerch. And I was like, oh, that's great. So so he moves on to Walkerch. Annie and I then move on to Walkerch probably a year later directly across from Ben. I so, mean, tr- truly, you could, you could have thrown a baseball. <laughs> and without much house. effort. 
like maybe no, underhanded, like, potentially like a underhanded hard underhand baseball player. Like it. literally, literally lived across the street. So then, <laughs> then Hillary move onto the street we live on now. And I was like, oh, great. And then Annie and I move on to the street that Ben Hillary lived. So now now that you guys have moved again to complete it, we just got to find where you live and then move across the street. Come come just come just a little further. You'll <laughs> a little further. Live, live with us so, again. Yeah. So anyway, one of the common occurrences of living on the street that we live on is that, you know, I see John and Ben. I would see them a lot. And I just remember one afternoon um, you were walking. This is you didn't have – I think this may have been pre-Jane and uh, PJ as we call it. And I walk outside. I was like, hey, man, what's up? And I remember you looked at me. I don't even know that you said hello. And you just looked at me and you were deep in thought. I could tell, like, is everything okay? And you said, how much do you think they pay teachers at Belmont? (laughs) And I was like, and I just sort of stood there and I was like, that is one of the most interesting intro to a conversation. (laughs) And I said, I don't know, man. You're like, and you were so, and you were just sitting there for a minute. You're like, yeah. And I was like, "Uh, why are you asking me that? You're like, I don't know, man. I'm just kind of just thinking about it you know like what would it be like if i was a teacher at belmont and i was like oh yeah totally and i remember we sat there and we talked for probably 30 minutes and you were really really like and, and i'd say that i tell that story is one of my favorite things about you is there's always been sort of an exit strategy an emergency break glass situation and i just remember that afternoon i came inside and Annie was like how's ben i was like i think he's okay <laughs> I was like, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. Oh. Like, I think you had just played the Ryman for the first. It was like everything was just on a hugely upward slant. And you're like really debating. Yeah. Okay, I could probably, I could probably still get a gig at Belmont. Teachers. Oh, yeah. As I've gotten older, I feel like I've learned better what the things that like are stressful are and how I can like mitigate yeah. that a little bit. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I think at the core, for a long time I wrestled with it and I was like, maybe I secretly enjoy this a lot and I'm just not like doing it very well. And at the core yeah. of it, I'm just like, no, some parts of this just really stress me out. I think for a long time I was like, I don't know if that's healthy. Maybe I'm like actually like doing weird jujitsu in my head. And now it's just like, no, I think like I've, I can make it a little more comfortable and a little less intense, but there's always some of it that's just going to be, yeah, it's going to be that way. Yeah. I deeply love music and that I get to do it just this specific manifestation of it is intense for me. Yeah. Yeah. And do you think, I mean, do you think with the kids alleviate is not the right word, but it's changed how you think about it. I think I would have thought that having kids would like super expedite the like, okay, I'm going to slow down. And in a weird way, for whatever reason, and I haven't like talked about this a lot, but I feel a weird, like, oh, I want my kids to be proud of me. Like I want, I want mm. to be like, Oh dad, yeah. like, sweet and not necessarily in like a selling out stadiums but like i think it will be good for them to see me doing work of some kind and i think like it's re-energized me in a way where like i think it's good for them to see people being like hey like i'm working hard at this and it's special and i love it and i'm almost just like i don't think i want to be like, what does your dad do? It's like, oh, like he used to be a musician. And now he just like plays golf, I guess. Like <laughs> he teaches songwriting. <laughs> right. No, I mean, honestly, that would be awesome if I was into it. Oh, but yeah. like, I think I'm more like, oh, I, I, I want, uh, and it definitely changes probably what I would be willing to do. Like if it was like, hey, like, can you play 325 shows this year? I'd be like, I can't, I can't do that. But 
in a weird way, I thought it would pull me back a little bit and be like, okay, now I'm really slowing down. And in a weird way, I'm like, oh, like they're so young and like I can still do stuff. And I would love for them to be like, yeah, like my dad really cared about that. You know what I mean? I anticipated it totally being like, okay, okay, now we're really shutting this thing down. And now it's more like, oh no, we can't shut this thing down because I'm just going to be like, a 34-year-old dad who doesn't really do anything. You know what I mean? I don't want to do yeah, that. Yeah, I love that. I think that's so... I want to be careful about how it says because I don't want to be misconstrued, but I, I do feel like before we had kids, um, there was a little bit of listlessness to me. Like I did feel this kind of like, is this what life is? That was a lot of things happening at the same time with my career and whatever, whatever. But it is funny that kids, as you said, they have this way of recentering a lot of things. But I love how you put it, Ben. I think that's so endearing and so so sweet because it's like you do, you know, it is fun to have your kids see up their plan and for you to feel like this pride and then being like, look, daddy's up there doing it. That's I love that. That's really profound. Well, I also think that it's cool. Like it sort of takes the the importance of it away in a really healthy way because you get up on stage and you have, you know, people who paid money to come sit and watch you and you're just there's there's like an absurdness to that and also a weird like we're i think we're all uncomfortable with this like sort of self-centeredness of it but then you have kids and that obviously like just i love the way that you said that ben like it's the least complicated thing in my life i 100 percent agree it's like this thing that it's like okay now this is my number one on this earth like this is what I'm doing. This is what is important. So now when I go and get up on stage, it's it's almost like the after party. It's like, well, this is great now. Like I can totally. just love this in a sort of like uh, freer way, you know? Totally. I wanted to ask though, does Jane know about her song? Like does she is she at the point now where she can sit and listen to it and she knows that's her song? Because it is such a great song. Thanks so much. I love that song. Thank you. And the the bridge on that song, that one line, is I just connect with that song so much. I wonder if she's got to that point yet where she sort of can conceptualize what her dad just did for her. You know, she doesn't have a super deep knowledge of my catalog, um, sure. though yeah. she does often request. She's like, I, I like the early stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Dad, you were kind of killing it. Yeah. Uh so but she requests listening to my music often, which I do not always go with. I'm just like, we should listen to other stuff. But there's a song on the upcoming record. This is not a plug. I don't know when it's gonna come out. But I was listening no, to No, this is great. You're such a pro at this. I love how you slid that <laughs> Well, it brings us around to the uh no. No, I was listening to mixes. And there is a song that it's called Daughter that is just like mm. for sure, just like that's what that's about. And she realized that. And now for a long time, just any time we were in the car, no matter what, can we listen to the Janie song? I want to listen to the Janie oh, song. Oh, just like, I love that she calls it that. And dude, I mean, uh, to to a point where I was like, I don't want to listen to it anymore. Like, we can't listen You're to like, it because it's I not even to gonna it. make the record anymore, right? Because no, I'm I mean, so but, sick of the song. But for real, like, probably listen to it 
50 times and after a while i was like okay jane like we got to listen to something else because she would just want to listen to it again and again and again so uh i'd say she she doesn't know about love like this she does know about the janie song and wants to listen to it often you know i I have this weird fear john and i've laughed about this of like because my kids it may i could cry literally saying this but they love to listen to my music like they love it and i think there's a pride you know what i mean i think especially with ben who's eight he's kind of like this is my dad. You know, this is his song. But I'm like, I'm so terrified that they're gonna have the worst taste of music because like they didn't they didn't get exposed to the Beatles or Stevie Wonder or Steve Winwood when they should because they're like, like I have these weird things where I'm like, I can see them in college. They're all hanging out in some room and some guy's got like a record player. It's 10 years from now, whatever. And he's like, dude, have you heard this record? And he's like, Yeah, you guys heard my dad's stuff? And they're like, who's your dad? You know, like, and they're like, dude, just listen to somebody. And they're like, I mean, it's okay. He's like, okay, this is the best music ever made. You know? He influenced the monkeys who influenced the Beatles. But it's like, uh, you know, that's that's one of my big fears. They're just going to be so tied up. In my, so I'm with you, Ben. I try to push really hard against it. I'm like, no, let's listen to Abbey Road. They're like, dad, I just want to listen to that new song you're working on. I'm like, 